Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett, where we talk about all things financial, focusing on helping you plan, keep, and grow for a successful future. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're tuning in again, welcome back and thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. Today, we are talking about the recent legislation that was passed known as the SECURE Act 2.0, because 1.0 just couldn't be enough. We cover our approach to financial planning around the ever-changing legislative landscape, what unique financial planning opportunities the SECURE Act 2.0 presents, and how you can fold this into your financial plan. My name is Garrett Smith, and we look forward to having you with us today. Welcome back. We're back at it again. Here we go, talking legislation. This one's always a fun one. Rules are always changing in Washington. I don't know why they can't all get together and say, hey, we're never going to change rules. Yeah, or at least make them reasonably permanent. Oh, the last, since COVID, there's been, you know, you got CARES Act, you got the Inflation Protection Act, you got SECURE Act, now you got SECURE Act 2.0, and all of them impact retirees. Yeah. Or potential retirees. Yeah, this last one, there's a lot of changes. So today we're talking about the SECURE Act 2.0 is what it's being called. Um, And I think the first place to step back is just, how do you think about financial planning when it comes to legislation because there's a million laws and there's 10 million potential laws yeah that's a that's a tough one um you know we there, there's always rumors about this is going to happen that's going to happen there you know i mean i heard a rumor a few years ago they were going to nationalize all the 401k plans and I, I actually had people worried about that and i just thought man they there's just no way they could get away with it but you know i wouldn't put past politicians to try anytime there's money involved you know they've got their hands out so i i think our philosophy's always been uh and i learned this back in the 90s is is to watch what they do not what they say so you you got to just you know kind of watch what legislation comes down not what they're you know, talking about because part of it's posturing, uh, part of it's just appeasement to donors. You know, a donor has a p- specific thing he wants somebody to. So they, you know, they talk about it, but really, most most stuff doesn't happen. I guess is the is the key. Yeah, most most stuff doesn't, ha- and that you know dep- <laughs> might not be a bad thing. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, it's a good thing that it, all the stuff that they talk about doesn't happen for sure. On both sides of the aisle, there's wild promises that are made on campaigns, either place. And and when it comes to financial planning, we're kind of agnostic on the the rules that are potentially coming out. You know, we right. you definitely want to be familiar with them. Um, especially these large pieces of legislation that have a high rate of, of passing. Um, but it's it's not really until the rules are clarified and, and passed on that you can really make some big decisions. And oftentimes, when these large pieces of legislation are passed, the rules aren't always clear in them. You know, they're written by lobbyists and legislators, mm-hmm. and then they get argued about once they're passed about, well, what does this phrase actually mean? And so then there's ruling and there's clarification by the IRS that says, well, this actually means... A, B, and C versus X, Y, and Z. And so you kind of have to also not only get the legislation, but you have to wait for some of the clarification. And in some of the COVID policies, those are still being clarified two years later, three years later about, no, this is what we meant in the legislation. Right. And and so watching what they do is is 
been our rule of thumb, will always be our rule of thumb because they sure say a lot of things. And even if something's voted on and, and a politician's claiming that that's in the laws, doesn't necessarily mean it's actually in the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's always comes down to, you know, we spend a lot of time when laws are passed uh, conversing with CPAs that we trust, attorneys that we trust, um, organizations that are helping us understand how each of these impact individuals. And then kind of our posture on it too, is we want to interpret it as conservatively as we can. Usually when it comes to rules, there's they, there's a window that may be okay. And we always want to take it from the conservative approach of, you know, we don't want to get ourselves out over our skis because we were being too aggressive with new language at some legislation that hadn't been fully clarified yet. Yeah. You don't want to have to unwind something uh, because you were too aggressive on what you thought the language said for sure. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally we'll act on potential legislation if it's a good benefit for a client, if it doesn't end up passing, and then a great benefit if it does. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of a win-win in either situation. That's about the only time that we'll act on potential legislation. And most of the time, it's there's a lot of scaremongering when it comes to, you know, because every politician is trying to raise dollars for their campaign. Right. Vote for me so that XYZ can happen and I'll protect, you know, whatever. But we always have to keep our eye on kind of what's coming. You know, uh, right now the state tax limit is quite high. Each each person can pass on, I think it's like 12 or $13 million to their heirs, which, you know, doesn't really affect that many people. Uh, but in, I think it's in, uh, 2025 or 2026, that limit goes from, from, you know, whatever it is now, 13, let's call it 13 million down to three. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we have to keep an eye on those kind of things because at 3 million, it affects a lot of people because, right. you know, the value of homes are way up, uh, 401k plans are a lot bigger than they used to be. And that would, that would catch a lot of people. And so the question is, are, are they going to do something? There'll be a big you know, big brouhaha over over that. And uh, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. But that's how legislation works. It's just you have to have your eye on what is going to change and then, you know, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Right. And I think that's a great example of that's already in the language of past legislation right. that these provisions will sunset. And and that's very different versus a politician showing up and saying, I'm going to change the law to do right. X, Y, and Z. Yep. Right. Is it has it already been voted on? Has it already been codified in the law versus a potential change? Right. And and those sunset provisions, absolutely, you have to you have to be aware of them and keep an eye on them because yep. they do impact. And so making those preparations ahead of time and then being ready to adjust if things start to move in your favor. Yep. Um, so diving specifically into the Secure Act 2.0, I think there's it really opens up some for most of our clients, the Roth options in a big way. I think mm-hmm. that's been a very good thing. We're fans of Roth dollars, right? These are the dollars that you pay taxes today. They grow tax deferred. And then when you take them out, there's no taxes due. So it's kind of a tax-free scenario once you pay the taxes today. Um, and one of the first things they do is they open up Roth options for SEPs and simples. Uh, and this is a, this is a really good thing. And starting this year in 2023, SEPs and simples can allow Roth contributions. They used to only allow just traditional tax deferred options. I think having uh, a Roth option because there's a lot of people from individual business owners as well as employees of small plans that just that's their a simple is the only option they have. And yeah, these are traditionally just small business plans. I mean, you people with just one, two, three, five employees, and uh, you know, 
401k plans can be quite expensive to administer. Um, and so these, these simple and, um, and set plans are, you know, they're, there's just a lot of small businesses that have them. They've just never had access to to, to Roth contributions until this. So th- this is a this is a really good change, and it's it's an area you want to have a discussion with with your your boss about. If you're if you're in a simple IRA plan right now, the language is still being developed to actually be able to roll these out in plans, but letting them know saying, hey, this is something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. If if we can make this available to at least get it on their radar so that they can start you know, kind of working down the road of, of change because they, they are retirement plans and changes will uh, have to be implemented. It's usually a signed form for a SEP or a simple, but it's still something that has to be done before that option's available. So if you're in a SEP or a simple, uh, it's worth a conversation with, with the, the business owner to just say, hey, this is something I'm interested in. What would we need to do to make it happen? And a lot of it's going to depend on the plan administrators. They're going to have to you know, figure out a way to keep track of those dollars because you, you you know you have to track the 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 Roth contributions and growth uh, separately from the you know the traditional method. So uh, part of it's going to you know it's just going to take some time for the uh, plan administrators to figure out how they're going to do that. Right, right. This was one thing about the Secure Act is like any piece of legislation, you didn't know it was actually going to pass until it was voted on. Yeah, <laughs> and it was kind of right at the year's end, and then it opened up these options and. 2023. And so, you know, this has only been available for a few weeks. So my guess is for most, it's still months away to really having the option to do it. But, but I think as long as you express some interest of saying, you know, this is something I'd like to have. You know, the other thing that was, I saw that was a kind of a big change there is you can, you know, traditionally employer contributions into a 401k plan. So, you know, the, the people who've had a 401k have had a Roth option. Uh, so you 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 put your money in on a pre-tax basis, but they actually changed it so that the employer contributions that go in can can also be Roth. Now the the tricky part of that there is going to be you're going to you're going to have to pay the tax on the employer contributions. My understanding, it's not like the you just get free Roth money right. in there, yeah. right? I mean, right. I I you know. Nobody needs to be naive enough that there's anything that's free out there as far as the government's concerned. So they're going to allow that, um, but you're going to have to pay the tax on those employer contributions. So that's something you might want to start thinking about because that's going to be rolling out this year. Yeah, and that could change your tax bracket, mm-hmm. right, if you're, sure. if you're taking those uh, because they'll show up as, as our understanding is taxable income. Mm-hmm. And uh and, and so just making sure you, you understand what that is. But yeah, I think for, for most, that's a, a really good option is to get both the employee contributions and the employer contributions as Roth dollars. Yeah, especially if you're young. Yes. You know, especially if you're under, say, 45 years old, you, you really need to take a really good look at that one. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And one that's kind of creative that kind of caught me by surprise. I hadn't seen this in any language before. Uh, it might've been there and I just missed it. But the idea that you can roll a 529 plan into a Roth IRA, you can make that conversion down the road, which is which is uh, pretty interesting from a future planning perspective. Mm-hmm. So the 529 plan is generally set aside for educational expenses. There's some limits on how much you can put on there. But uh, there's, there's obviously some really big provisions for this to happen. For example, the 529 plan needs to have been open for 15 years before you can do it. The conversions can't exceed um, the, the lifetime limit of, of 35,000, 
a year, and nor can they exceed the the Roth IRA contribution limit. So it'll be annual limit. Annual yeah. limit. So it'll be a series of conversions to get there mm-hmm. over five or six years. After the plan's already been open, the 529 plan's been open for 15 years. Uh, however, if you have young children or grandchildren, this really opens up the door to, to k- kind of start funding those 529 plans. Then they can use them for school or convert them into a Roth account, which is which is a really big deal because you're setting your 18, 20, 22-year-old up with some dollars for school or for future retirement savings. Yeah. What's interesting about this legislation, there's just a ton in here on Roth and when you think about Roth contributions for the government, that means uh, more tax revenue now, mm-hmm. less tax revenue down the road. So it's, it's almost like, hey, we're going to give you all these Roth options because, you know, we just need revenue right now. It <laughs> almost seems like so. Yeah, it seem, seems to be that way because there's kind of five major areas that opened up that. So we've kind of talked about the first three. The other one is just seems to be a cleanup. Um, there's no lifetime RMDs from a Roth plan uh, if your workplace was subject to to taking RMDs out of your your Roth uh, retirement plan, which is good. And then there's and then lastly, it opens up for additional catch up contributions. If you're 50 and older and you're making catch up contributions, they're going to be starting to be inflation adjusted and allow you to to put more dollars in there, uh, which is a good thing. More more savings right before your your retirement years. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's kind of the, the major Roth provisions. And so if any of those apply to you and you want to have a conversation, you know, you're always welcome to give us a call because everybody's financial plan's unique, you know, yeah. and, and it changes every year and, and figuring out you know, I always like to highlight anytime we go through legislation, it's always financial planning is about trade-offs doing this today versus that, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, there's only so many dollars and, and getting, getting the right trade-offs in place. So just because it's an option for you now doesn't necessarily mean it's the best option because it might cost you in another area. And so looking at that as in a full financial plan really opens up the, the opportunity for them. I think the other area uh, that's kind of interesting is the RMD, uh, the required minimum distribution age change. You know, normally when you reach a certain age, Uncle Sam says you've deferred your IRA dollars. So these are traditional IRA dollars long enough. And um, so these could be from a traditional 401k, traditional simple that's been into a, a, a traditional IRA. They said you've deferred these dollars long enough. You need to take out so much. You pay the the tax on it, and, and then off you go. Well, yeah, this one was uh, shocking to me because you know, I mean, I've been in this business for forty years, and for the first thirty eight years, <laughs> it was age seventy and a half. I mean, it was just that's just it. You could start taking it age fifty nine and a half without a penalty, but you had to start taking it age seventy and a half. And I don't know why it was seventy and a half. I don't know why it was seventy. Or 71, but it was always 70 and a half. And then, you know, long a year or two ago, they said, oh, no, we're, we're going to change that. We're going to bump it to age 72. Like, oh, well, that's good. Because, you know, a lot of people. At least it's a solid number. Yeah, at least it's a solid number. <laughs> I, I mean, how about 72 and three quarters? Let's go with that one. Um, and, and so it went to 72. Nice round number. Uh, great. And, you know, it, what's interesting about RMDs is that there's just a lot of people that get to that age and they just, they don't really need the money for whatever reason, you know, they've just accumulated other, and yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, oh, right. well, you have to do it because Uncle Sam says you've deferred long enough. Well, now they've raised it uh, eventually, like for anybody who was born in 
1960 or later, so that's me. I don't have to take mine till I'm age 75. So there, there's kind of a period there. It's going to go to 73, and then in a few years it goes to it goes to age 75. Yeah, so it just kind of steps its way out there. Um, so. Yeah. Like you said, for a long time, it was 70 half. Then we kind of got used to the 72 and they said, you know what, let's just change that again. And now it's 73. So, you know, it's before you take your RMD, if it's your first time, just double check the new rules that yeah. you actually need to take it because um, it is pushing out to age 75, which is because um, it seems to be in the late 70s, early 80s is when people start slowing down their spending. Yeah. And so it's kind of getting back to those ages where you, you slow down anyway. Yeah. If you know, if you've been, uh, you just can't go and do as much anymore. And uh, so that one, yeah, I'm with you. That was a surprise that they pushed. Well, I, the reason I can't figure it out is if the, you know, the, 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 the treasury needs revenue. So they're doing all these Roth things so they can get revenue. Well, no, now we're going to delay getting revenue because we're going to, you know, help all these older people delay uh, taking their RMDs. It just, that one just didn't make any sense, but you know. We'll take it. You can still take it at age 70 if you right, want. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah, it just gives you more half, flexibility. Right? So it's yeah. a good thing, you know. Yeah, it's not being required to is, is a good thing. Yeah. And I think kind of on that, one thing that it does do is reduce the penalties on missed required minimum distributions. Um, this is one area that's been so expensive. If you miss oh, it. Oh, it's egregious. If you miss a required minimum distribution, it's a 50% penalty plus you're taxed on the whole amount. Yeah. And that's just brutal. And so that's why we spend months making sure we don't miss one of these yeah and 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 uh and so if you've got any accounts that are subject to an rmd it's been a 50 percent penalty now they're reducing it to 25 percent with some language in there that if you act in a timely manner i'll let you interpret that with your cpa your attorney <laughs> that it reduces it down to a 10 percent penalty um so that's a good thing I, yeah it's it's just because you miss something you shouldn't be that beat up for it yeah yeah, the the fifty percent penalty. By the time you pay, uh, you know, state and federal income tax plus the fifty percent penalty, it's pretty easy to lose eighty, ninety percent of that RMD. That was just terrible. Right, but like you said, once again, reducing <laughs> the tax amount to the treasure. Yeah, good so, news is we've never missed one. Yes, you know, yet. So, and don't plan on ever missing one, even though the penalties are lower. So, yeah, those RMD changes apply most to. Um, most of our clients. One other uh, area is, like mentioned, if you started taking from an IRA account before the age 59 and a half, there was always a 10% penalty that was just tacked on top. And then there were some provisions for um, some healthcare or some uh, first time homeowners. It kind of opens up some options. And they've expanded that uh, list uh, to include some emergency expenses up to $1,000. So kind of just some short term funds potentially. Um, <laughs> There's for abuse survivors, domestic abuse survivors, it opens up some options, terminal illness, um, some disaster recovery options under qualified situations, and then any qualified long-term care. And so they're just expanding the list of dollars you can get out of an IRA before age 59 and a half that don't apply to that 10% penalty. And I think the spirit of that is, is, is a good idea because you're just, you know, we want to encourage people to save as long as we can, want to make it in a tax-friendly way to encourage people to set money aside to save for the future. But if disaster strikes and you need money, oftentimes most people's largest savings is in these retirement accounts. Right. And, and so to be able to get those without a penalty with some, a lot of those have repayment provisions uh, tied to them, but 
but not having to pay that 10% penalty uh, can be a really good thing. And that always goes back to why we always encourage an emergency fund, right? If you never have to tap these dollars, that's by far the best situation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously life happens and, and things always change. So that's, if, if you need to take a distribution before age 59 and a half, know that there's some more options available to you to avoid that 10% penalty. I think just a few last things to touch on. There's some, if any of these apply to you, give us a call because, you know, we want to have a discussion of, of working with you on them. There's some qualified charitable deductions, uh, distributions, um, changes. There's some catch-up contributions that'll start in 2025 that changes. Uh, there's some savers match uh, starting in 2027, which is interesting, just additional dollars that Uncle Sam can save uh, there for you, uh, depending on your income level. There's some matching student debt uh, savings that can happen on the employee side. Uh, so, you know, if any of those ring a bell to your situation, let's let's have a discussion and, and look specifically for you. Like we said, this is a massive piece of legislation. Um, we're, we're working through any any big ones. Uh, those are kind of the highlights. But, uh, you know, we always want to have a discussion if, if there's something specific in your life that, that's on your mind. Well, this was a big, boring one. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, visit us at ascendinvestment.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep you up to date. See you in the next episode. Kessler, Norman, and Ride, LLC, DBA, Ascend Investment Partners is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where our firm and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Ascend Investment Partners unless a client service agreement is in place. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice, performance data, or recommendations that any particular security, portfolio of securities, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. This program is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. All opinions contained in this podcast are subject to change at any time without notice. To determine which, if any, investments may be appropriate for you, please consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this podcast is not guaranteed of future results. As always, please remember that all investing involves risk and possible loss.